0: I'm pulling out all my files, right? I took the, I came over here, I did the SATs, I did pretty good, okay? I did really well in the SATs, and everything. I applied here, I didn't accept it. I just wanted you to tell me why not. So he goes through my files, he's like, you did pretty good. Uh, honestly, I can't tell you why you weren't accepted. I was like, okay, well, would I be able to start at Queens College <laughs> next semester? <laughs> he's like, honestly, yeah
1: hey guys real quick dr dale here all right so i want you guys to do me a favor before you start this episode please hit that pause button and click subscribe or click follow or click like whatever it is we work really hard to bring you guys this good information to uplift the entire community and we really appreciate you guys supporting our efforts and our work love you guys enjoy the episode
2: i want them back like a daddy yeah oh let do it like flogger yeah i'm kicking flame no saga yeah hey i like them blues i might go jenny like jackson i got the margin yeah it's all about progression life is like a blessing everything a win loss is like a lesson Ooh, ooh, yeah, ain't no time for stressing. I've been really oh oh Yeah, if you wanna go get it, stop playing around. Really got on Rex, ain't playing around. Wanna go get it, stop playing around. Really got on Rex, ain't playing around. Black man, white yeah. coats, shit we up right now. Yo yeah.
1: What is up, family? I'm Dr. Dale, the author of How to Raise Doctor Wisdom from Parents Who Did It, the author of Pre-Med Mondays, the author of the Doctor Doc Children series, author of Black Men and White Copes, and the author of a new book I'm releasing. Probably maybe a month, two months. It's called Author and Expert. I get a lot of messages from you guys asking how I write these books. So I decided to write a book teaching you how I write these books. So super excited about that. Gonna be dropping here in a couple months. Uh, We put some links down below. Click on the links, learn more about those books, get you a copy. And you listen to the Black Men and White Coast podcast, a place where Black clinicians have the platform to share their stories with listeners like you. Super excited about today's guest. But before I introduce him, let me say a couple of reminders. Reminder number one. Oh, and actually I need to pull up here on my phone, but I'm actually about to announce this week's MCAT winner. So you guys know we're paying for um we're paying for MCATs, right? We're paying for people's MCATs. And this
2: week's winner is Greetings, I'm Sucre, a fourth year biology pre-medicine student at D Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University. When I become a doctor, I will make the field of medicine better, first and foremost, by becoming a doctor. We live in a time where representation means everything and unfortunately, black men have been underrepresented as physicians. I personally didn't meet a black male physician until I was 18, maybe 19 years old. And I would love to be in a place where a young black man can uh, look at my story, look at my journey and look at my triumphs, relate to that, feel inspired by that, and uh, know that they can accomplish even greater things than. I may accomplish one day. Also, I wanna be in a place where I can bridge the gap in my community as far as healthcare, uh, break some stigmas in my community and be a resource to my community as far as healthcare. Thank you all for the scholarship opportunity and a scholarship sewn into my life will be sown into the many lives that I plan to serve along my journey. Thank you.
1: I'm super excited to give this to you because you're the first gentleman we're awarding this to, right, so we're giving it to two ladies the past two couple of weeks. Has given to you this week, so all you got to do is email us info at blackmenandwhitecoats.org. Info at blackmenandwhitecoats.org. Let me know you got it. Shoot me an email, and we're gonna pay for your MCAT. And so, uh, congrats, to, ooh, congrats to you again, Chris. And just to remind everybody hey, we're paying for MCATs, like we're not joking, I'm not playing around. We got the money in the bank. We're, we're I was gonna say cutting checks, but we're not cutting checks, we're just putting the money in your account, all right? So, we're transferring funds into your account. I'm paying for MCAT, so just check out blackmenandwhitecoast.org backslash MCAT, blackmenandwhitecoast.org backslash MCAT. Uh, what else do I got to say? So the movie, bmwcmovie.com, people are still buying the movie every single day, so the documentary, if you haven't seen it, make sure you check it out. You know, we're loving it, um, the feedback and everything people are giving to us. Just had a partnership sign with the AMA, American Medical Association, so looking forward to doing a bunch of great stuff with the AMA, right? So now... What you're here for today, what you are here for today, um, is my guy, man. And and you know, we'll talk, we'll we're we'll up about it here in a second. But this is Joseph Haynes. Joseph Haynes, um, we're going to talk about his story, talk about his journey. But it's one of those strange things where it's like I know him, but I don't know. Him. Well, first of all, what's up, Joe? How you doing? man? How you doing, Joseph?
0: Dale, hey, good to see you, man. I'm doing really good, doing really well.
1: Thank Very you for having me. Tell me, go by Joe, Joseph, how should, I, what should I, how should I say Both, but um,
0: most of the time, Joe. Joe, Yo, You right, can go
1: right. That's cool. My brother-in-law is Joe also, so cool. So, you know, it's kind of strange because in this world, it's a small circle, and we're just, before we came on, on air, we are just talking about, like, man, we know each other. Like, we know each other, but we don't know each other. And I, <laughs> I was like, we, we've, we've met at conferences, and I'm pretty sure. So, you're, you're on diverse medicine or something? Uh, you
0: you know, know, like like you're saying, it's a small world. And I'm sure we've crossed paths in like multiple ways. Like we met at the, I, I know we met at, I believe, AMAC. I, remember,
1: I, I specifically remember talking to you at the conference. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I definitely remember talk talking to you. to you. I definitely remember. I was like, oh, that's Dr. Dale. i me mean, introduce myself. And then I believe when you had launched pre-MedStar, I was I was undergrad at the time. And then I got onto the platform. And then we actually even spoke for a little bit after that. And I, I believe you wanted to like check in to see, you know, how it was for me and what the experience was like for me. So we talked as well, like around that time.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm sure like after I started med school, because I'm a third year now, well, finishing third year now, I'm sure like maybe early in first year, we like connected again at some point to talk about something.
1: Yeah, because I'm like, I'm like, I definitely know you, but I kind of feel bad but man, I definitely I definitely know you. That was one of those things like I definitely know Joe. I definitely know. But anyways, man, hey, I just want to say thank you for being on the, on the podcast. And we're gonna we're gonna dive into your journey, man. We're gonna dive into your story because you know, um, I really like having med students on here. it's so crazy because like like you're saying, I remember you like interacting as a pre-med. Now you're about to start your last year of medical school. Yeah, yeah, right? I'm excited. Ready, definitely ready. <laughs> hey, start. then you're about to be moving right on into residency. So it's just great. Time flies, and before you know it, man, you're gonna be where I'm at. You're gonna be, you know, full fledged practicing, doing all that stuff, and um, you know, it's proud of you what you're doing, man. So let's um, let's dive into your story. Let's dive into your story, and I'm gonna start off the, this question by by start of the story by asking you a question. Um, okay. If you had to say one thing that somebody did for you, so mom, dad, siblings, friend, whoever, one thing that somebody did for you that really set you on the right path towards getting to where you are today, what would that one thing be?
0: All right, honestly, if you ask me that, like three times, you might get three different answers because there's a couple of things that um that certainly like make that list. But what's coming to mind right now would have to be telling me the importance of mentorship. So when I was an undergrad, when I was an undergrad um, and just kind of like a little bit of background, I've always had an interest in clinical neurosciences and I kind of knew I wanted to do neurosurgery. And when I was an undergrad at the time at Queens College um, in New York, Uh, the Minority Association of Pre-Medical Students had put on, yeah, shout out to MAPS. They had put on um, just an event and there was a neurosurgery resident um, who came, Dr. Mbabike, I believe. I have to connect with her afterwards because I don't think she knows how impactful that interaction was. I was an undergrad, she's a black neurosurgeon. I'm sure she's probably attending at this point. but, you know, she gave a presentation about, like, medicine and neurosurgery, and I, like, ate it all up. And then at the end, literally, last person to leave the room, I'm, like, helping her wear her bags. I'm like, I'll walk into the car, <laughs> you know, let's talk. And then I was like, listen, I really want to do neurosurgery. If there was, like, one thing, you know, you would do differently, you know, in my, as, if you were in my shoes, like, what would it be? And she was like, get mentorship early. She's like, you don't have to wait till medical school. You Don't have to wait till you're in residency. She was like, "Get mentorship like early." She even said, "Hey, um, she was from Florida. She was like I'm about to fly back. Um, so you know, she yeah, she offered like you know, function in that capacity, but I got the sense that she was saying I need to reach out to people closer to me. So after that, I remember it was like maybe in the middle of the week that weekend, I wrote a draft of like, a little bit of my background where I'm from interest in neurosurgery and I sent out like 20 emails (laughs) to like neurosurgeons all over New York New York City um just cold uh I got like two responses and my fiance now who was at the time my girlfriend was interviewing for medical school she interviewed at NYU and she met one of the neurosurgeons there who was a black neurosurgeon and she was like, "Hey, you need to see if you can connect with this guy." And then it just so happened that he happened to respond, and after that, man, it led to like a great relationship. and since then, since hearing that from her, um it kind of watered a seed in me to continue to pursue mentorship heavily. And that's like one of the biggest things that i that i I think I have going for myself um and and something that I try to encourage like pretty much all like the pre-meds, med students that I taught to, to have mentorship. And it doesn't have to be like one mentor. Oh, just because you want to do family medicine, you need a family medicine mentor. Or in my case, neurosurgery, you need a neurosurgery mentor. No, it can, it can be, you know, you can have mentors from different facets for different things. Like all my mentors are not doctors. You know, I have mentors in like, in my spiritual life. I have mentors from like all, really all walks of life you know, and I connect with them on a regular basis and it's really been helpful because like, like one, like this one Bible verse that always sticks with me is that, um, and I'm just paraphrasing it. It's like a proverb, um, that says like wise decisions are made in the abundance of good counsel or something like that. Right. Um, and I kind of kept that, took that to heart. So I think that one thing that she said to me, like get a mentor, Stuck, it's stuck, and it played a big role in me getting into medical school, doing well in medical
1: school, thank God <laughs> um and hopefully doing well in the match at the end of this year yeah, I mean that's huge and I, that's that's probably the same thing that I tell when people ask me, hey what's the one thing I can do so I'm happy she gave you that bit of advice because mentorship is a game changer it's a legit game changer I haven't done- Having the one right person—I mean, let alone if you end up getting three, four, five—but even having the one right person in your life to kind of put you mm-hmm. on that pathway, mm-hmm. complete game changer, complete game changer. So now, you—you you were not born here in these here United States, were you? Tell me, tell me about your your upbringing. Where 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 are you coming from for your upbringing?
0: Originally uh, born in Guyana, South America, I lived there for you know about ten years. What's
1: and the then, race, what's the what's the race breakdown? The demographics like down there?
0: So, uh, mostly black and Indian, okay. um, black Indian East Asian. Yeah, that's that's the majority. Um, like maybe like forty something percent black, and then forty something percent Indian East Asian, and then a mix of others. I could be wrong, but it's I'm sure I'm sure I'm in the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, grew up in Guyana. Did, like, my primary school in there, and then I emigrated to Barbados with my mom.
1: So um, so tell me, so um why Guyana? Who and your family is from Guyana, and then what led to the Barbados move? All my
0: family, all, like, my immediate family. Dad's from Guyana, born and raised. Mom's from Guyana, born and raised. So just born and raised in Guyana. I and then we kind of, like, moved to Barbados for, like, a better job um, on my mom's side. Uh, And I did high school in Barbados. So I kind of claimed both because I spent maybe like seven, a little bit over seven years in Barbados as well. Um, And then right after that, that's when I immigrated to the United States and did undergrad here.
1: And so at this time, did you know you were, because you mentioned you've been interested in neuroscience for a while. When did that interest come? Was it way back when you were a kid, like in Guyana or Barbados?
0: It was early. I I always knew it was going to be medicine. And another thing that my mom always instilled in me was like reading. She wanted me to read a lot, you know, and in Guyana, growing up in Guyana, there really wasn't a lot of other things to do, like today, you know, technology, but at our, our fingertips, it wasn't like that when I was growing up in Guyana. Um, we had like one, I think maybe two TV channels, and then one channel, wasn't anything I was interested in as a kid, <laughs> the other channel, you know, cartoons, and it only came on at like a certain time of day, you know, so it was all like getting out and hanging out with friends and whatnot. but. The other thing was books. Before Netflix.
1: Books.
0: Yeah, no Netflix. No, no, <laughs> right? uh, and then if you had cable, you know, you, 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 know, yeah, you were... Yeah, you were balling. <laughs> um, so reading was like a big thing, you know, and I, I really like loved, loved to read.
1: Um, Do you still love to read? Did that carry on with you or not?
0: Oh, yeah. 100%, 100%. Like during like first year of my school, I used to read like a book a month. It slowed down um more recently but i still get through at least like within a year i'm, I'm sure i'm gonna get through like maybe like five six books
1: favorite, you know uh, is, book. i really like
0: to <sighs> tough man tough there's a couple of books i really like a couple of books i really like um uh let's see a good book i read recently would be gray matter um, which is by a, a neurosurgeon and I and I really liked it. And I hope I'm not confusing it with another one because I read a lot of neurosurgeon memoirs because he talks a lot about his spirituality and how that impacted his practice and how he kind of wove it into his practice. Um, so I really liked that book. I also really liked The Alchemist, um, Paul Coyle. That was a life altering book. Um, and it holds a dear, uh, a special place in my heart because I read it at the same time as my fiance, and, and that book is a big deal for us. But man, lots of books. When I was a kid, Hardy Boys. It was all about Hardy Boys. I had like I had like garbage bags
1: of, <laughs> of Hardy Boys. Um, Say so it's, it, it's, it's fascinating because I always think about like math, 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 right? So I push my kids. Well, I push my kids to try to do well and everything, but you know, I was, I'm like, hey, you guys got to know your math, know your math, know your math. But I'm seeing a lot of people I interview here on this podcast who, you know, who are going to be neurosurgeons like you, right? People who are, who are doing, you know, really well. A lot of them say that it started with reading as a child. You know, I had Dr. McDade on here um uh, was he last week, I think. Um, and, and he was like reading, reading, reading. Like people say, hey, reading was a thing that got me going. And as well, because I wasn't a reader growing up, growing up. I'm a reader now, I read a lot now, but as a kid I wasn't but it's good hearing you all kind of give me the secrets in terms of what I need to be doing for my kids, you know?
0: Yeah, and really, well, it's not only about books that, you know, like we think would be really educational. It's really just like, just just reading, just building like that imagination. When I was reading like even the even like the Hardy Boys or other fiction books, like I really like Called the Wild and uh, yeah. White Fang and all, like all of those like really good books, Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer. <laughs> You know, it's like I could see myself, you know, your your imagination, like, really grows. You know, you get to think of yourself being wherever you're reading about. Um, so, but back to the original question, uh, was neurosurgery always there? I would say, yeah. You know, it was always medicine very early on. Um, and I did have, like, an interest in, like, how things worked, particularly as it relates to, like, the nervous system. I was, like, super curious, super curious person, like, about how things work. Um, and another thing that kind of hit me was when I was growing up in Guyana, there were zero neurosurgeons. Hmm. There's one neurosurgeon in Guyana now, and I believe he's been there maybe can't be more than four or five years that he's been there. So um, you say
1: kind of, you say you say it kind of hit you, but you didn't you didn't know that when you were in Guyana
0: that it was going to be neurosurgery.
1: No, you didn't know that there were no neurosurgeons there. did Oh,
0: it I did because like I've had like oh. friends or even um, relatives who had like neurosurgical issues but to just have to like live with it or you know try to like raise money to somehow get funding to go overseas to um like wow. get up
1: so 10 years old you were aware of all that stuff
0: yeah yeah so it was it was always going to be neurosurgery then when I moved to Barbados someone at um church I told him yeah you know I think I want to be a brain surgeon and they're like, oh, have you ever read Gifted Hands by Ben Carson? And you know me, love to read books, love to read books. So I was like, no, wrote it down, went to the bookstore, loved going to the bookstore. And we got to Barbados, the bookstore. Listen, we will go to the supermarket. So at the time it was called Big B, it's called something else now. We will go to the supermarket in Barbados, but the supermarket also had a bookstore attached. And when my mom's shopping, I'm in the bookstore. Guess what? I don't have to buy the book. I can sit down, read the book <laughs> in the bookstore, <laughs> right? Get through it, or yeah, at least go yeah, so
1: to a library.
0: Come back exactly. It's like a library, or right? it was like a library. It's exactly what it was. So you know, wrote down, you know, gift the Hand of Ben Carson, and then the rest is history. I read his book, um, and then I read Think Big, and it was just like, oh wow, okay, this this, this is what uh this is what I've been thinking about. This is what I want to do, um. So it like, it was just heightened, um, or my interest in, in like neurosurgery just like heightened through reading and then in high school, you know, I really enjoyed my like my science classes and whatnot. And then in undergrad, uh, like the first semester, I decided, first of all, I decided to go to Queens College, CUNY Queens College, um, because it was the only CUNY school that had a neuroscience major at the time.
1: So, so let me let me think about this. So, you went from um, Barbados, came to the states, um, right? So, what what made you even want to come do your education in the states? I have,
0: honestly started sort of med school for maybe like a few months. Back, I went back to Ghana for a little bit, right? Started med school for a few months.
1: And That's like one of those six-year English system type of programs where you did yeah. you med school together.
0: Yeah, but. I always, like I said, at that time, I knew I wanted to do neurosurgery, um, and I, I, through research and kind of think through it and talking through it, I realized if I want to do neurosurgery, ultimately I'm going to probably need to train in the states because that's where best neurosurgery training is. So it was like, why not just go straight to go come to America and start studying mm. now rather than later? Fortunately, my dad was in the military in the U S and you know, I was able to get citizenship very early on. So I only spent a few months in Ghana at medical school. And then, which was appealing to me because over there, you don't have to do like um, a bachelor's before you start medicine. Yeah. You know, So for me, it was like, Oh, I could be finished quicker. And it was actually a really tough decision for me to decide to come to America and do my undergrad. Cause at that time I was thinking, Oh, it's going to be a huge step back. I have friends right now who are, Working as doctors, right, Um, all over the world. Who, you know, I probably would have been, you know, if I stayed, probably would have been doing the same thing and stuff. Um, But I decided that if I want to get really good training, I need to train here, and the the pathway would be—it's already competitive, (laughs) you know, at that time, even more competitive now against neurosurgery. And I just realized the pathway would be better if I started. I I just came to my undergrad, did med school here, and then
1: to like so let me so, so let me take a step back here. it can seem like you were really really focused from a very early age so what kind of kid were you you know a kid that already knew and even, even before let me take even a, a further step back what made you even want to do medicine like you know before gifted hands and all that stuff what was the thing that made you say what got you in, interested in medicine to begin with yeah,
0: it almost wasn't even like
1: to be honest man
0: like <laughs> you know, i'm not it's like from early on, that's, it always was medicine. You know, the other thing is, you know, growing up in like Caribbean countries, you know, most of the time people would say, oh, you only have three options. You got to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, <laughs> right? So I, I guess there was that in the back of my mind. But even at like five, like at five, I knew, I just knew, I just like really liked, I just knew I was going to be a doctor. It was like, I want to be a doctor. I don't know if it, if there was ever a time that it like flipped or clicked. Um, you know, it might have been influenced by the fact that my mom, she's a nurse midwife, you know, so I kind of saw that all the time. Like dad, he's a naturopath. Even though I didn't grow up with him, I also saw that a lot of the time. So I definitely had like those influences. And then kind of seeing like a lot of gaps growing up in Guyana in terms of the way like medical care is delivered and and medical access I, i'm I'm sure like they all kind of worked together to just be like medicine but it wasn't like one time
1: where it was just oh i'm going to be a doctor I, I was never like you felt like it was a calling of some sort yeah 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 okay. definitely okay and then and then you know prion and so you said you didn't grow up with your dad how did that impact your development um i don't know if he was involved in the doctor i don't know but how did that impact right. your development you know um, with your academics, your focus, the decisions you made, things of that sort?
0: No, significantly. You know, at a young age, you don't know what's going on. <laughs> you know, and my, like my mom, she was, she was on it. She was on it. Academics, she never let me slip. You know, she, like, I would get home and then she'd be like, do you have any homework? Do you have this? And literally, like, we'd, we'd sit and we'd do it, like, right there, like, every day, you know? So academics never faltered. And even though I didn't grow up with my dad, you know, he was always like really supportive. You know, and he would visit. Wednesdays became my favorite day because he would always visit on Wednesdays. And so He was in the same city. No, same area. I was in Linden, Guyana, and he was in Georgetown, which is the capital. So it's like a couple. It's like an hour and change away drive. And you know, his primary work was in in the in the capital, and I, and I grew up in Linden, so. But he would come visit like on Wednesdays, and you have business in in Linden on Wednesdays.
1: Did you have any um? distractions as a a child anything that might have been pulling you away from as like crazy friends or I don't know siblings or anything I don't know
0: I mean yes and no um I mean they're always there I have to say I think my mom particularly and like my family did a really good job of like instilling certain values in me so even though certain things were there I never like really wanted to dabble but the opportunity certainly is there, you know what I mean? Like there were, I have friends who, <laughs> you know, were doing things that uh, certainly weren't legal, you know, um, but they knew, they knew, I almost, as I'm thinking about it now, I feel like they knew that I was focused on becoming a doctor and they respected it. So we were still friends, you know, but they wouldn't encourage me to do what they were doing. Or like they'll come around like I'll come around and be like oh it's Joe you know let's not you know so it was around but I was never like I was cool with people but I was never like really in- interested in kind of dabbling I had other distractions I really like video games you know uh, I'll never forget my auntie or grandma I should say uh, she was living in America at the time and every year we used to look forward to getting like barrels shipment of like food and goods and whatnot one time she sent me a game boy Uh-oh. man <laughs> i i love video games the thing that was interesting though batteries were like really expensive right but just to kind of like talk about how curious i was i saw people like plug in i had to be maybe like eight nine years old and i would see people plug in like phones or plug in whatever and charge things right Batteries were way too expensive. So what did I do? I found like an old charger. I think it was a phone charger. Cut like the end of the wires, frayed the wires, right? Got two batteries, definitely probably not safe, right? I don't know where the idea came from. Got two batteries, put it in my Game Boy, and then I put one wire on one end of the battery, the other on the other end of the bag battery. And I realized if I plugged it in, I could have like full power as long as I stay plugged in. And did it work? It did work. It did work. I, I played for That's many, why you're
1: going to be a brain surgeon.
0: Without batteries. <laughs> without batteries, man. It was, it's like, I think back to right now, it now, I was like, whoa, where did that
1: idea even come from? Oh, let me put a disclaimer here. Nobody tried that at home. Nobody <laughs> tried it. Don't try that. Don't try that and say, <laughs> hey, I got that from Dr. Dale's blood and White Coat." guy a goddamn <laughs> that joke. Thing. You
0: know, like, uh, we had like this open... Um, like switch and the wires were coming on people some of my friends would touch it and be Like, oh you can feel the shock and if you stand up barefoot you know we learned it. if you put on if you had on like your slippers your rubber slippers you might not feel it you know but if you take your shoes off and you stand up on the ground barefoot you might feel a you know you might feel a little jolt so it's all these principles of physics that we didn't even know that we were <laughs> kind of learning about practically
1: in the field right and that's good that's but, good man that curiosity but the reason the reason i was going into you know, the, the family like i such you good know, i want you know for the single dad single mother whoever people listen to it you know i want to use you as an example to say hey you can you know people are out there doing it you're doing a great job raising your kids and getting your kids to, you know joe you're not the only one right there's you know a lot of single moms or single dads people who are who are doing this and um it's not to say that it's not hard it's not to say it's not challenging but you know have you know have um hope or take hope in the fact that you know people are doing it and successfully helping your kids get into medicine um, and I say that because, you know, one of the books I've written is How to Raise a Doctor. And a, a woman several years ago sent me a message after she saw some of the stuff we're doing Black men and white coats. So, hey, Dr. Dale, I've got a um, young um, African-American boy. I'm a single mother. He wants to be a doctor. Help me. How, how do I do this? So it's good to hear, like, hey, parents are doing it, you know, like parents mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are doing it. Um,
0: yeah. So no, you know, until after the fact, you know, you think back and you realize you put two and two together. and It's like, wow. Yeah, you know, she was going, you know, but she was making thing, man. I mean, you, still making sacrifices, you know, making no it yeah, work. Crazy.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. But you know, sometimes what you got to do for your kids, you know, or not sometimes, I mean, that's what you have to do for your kids, you know. So let's let's fast forward it down. Um, I kind of got you off track before you were telling me uh Queen's College. So you get to Queens College, sounds like you're plugged in with maps, that's minority association of pre-med students or pre-health students, I never remember. Um mm-hmm. little brother sister chapter of um organization of the student national medical association so everybody go check out snma student national medical association um but so what was what was college like for you, you get there what did you decide to major in
0: neuroscience So right, that's all i was saying i knew again i knew i wanted to do neurosurgery i was like oh maybe i should do a neuroscience major queen's college was the only cuny that had a neuroscience major at the time that i was applying um interesting story man real quick of like to show like just don't take no for answer, right? I didn't get accepted to Queens College. So the way it it worked when you're applying to CUNY is you apply to multiple CUNYs and you rank them and you get assigned one. So I ranked them, obviously, Queens is my top choice. I was living in Queens at the time with my aunt um, and I think I got accepted to Brooklyn College. So didn't get accepted to Queens. I'm like, this is not gonna work. Brooklyn College doesn't have my neuroscience major. So what I do, the very next day, I got all my files, put on a nice, you know, shirt and tie. I was fresh off the boat, man. Like just, just here, right? Showed up to Queen's College admissions office. I sat down. Cause like, can I help you? I just like to speak with like whoever's the director of admissions. Was like, okay, it's going to be some time. Sat there waited. Came again. They're like, yeah, who are you waiting for? The director of admissions. And I mean, I guess at that point I was waiting for a while. So they probably felt bad. I was like, okay, let me get the, they got the person. First shows up, they're like, hi, hi, how am I helping introduce myself? I'm Joseph, blah, 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 He goes, okay, what can I do for you, Joseph? I'm like, listen, I would just like you to tell me, <laughs> I'm pulling out all my files, right? I took the, I came over here, I did the SATs, I did pretty good, okay? I did really well in the SATs, did everything. I applied here, I didn't accept it, I just wanted you to tell me why not. So he goes through my files, he's like, you did pretty good. Um, Honestly, I can't tell you why you weren't accepted. I was like, okay, well, would I be able to start at Queens College <laughs> next semester? <laughs> he's like, honestly, yeah. Consider it done. <laughs> he <laughs> he's like, welcome to Queens College. I like, serious? Like, yeah, man. Not even making it up. Did they didn't have? Listen, I needed to get that neuroscience major, man. So I'll never forget what one I'm of my talk about. He says, when one, I mean, you, we know this. When one door closes, another one opens
1: yeah
0: and then he goes but not all closed doors are shut so he told me that even before i got here and you know it stuck with me so sometimes you hear no and it's like "Eh, let's see you
1: know let's see yeah yeah that's cool that's really cool man and
0: but you asked what college was like for me it was awesome It was awesome. It definitely was a bit of a culture shock, you know, coming here. Um, The access is different. It was just like a lot more resources, um, you know, a lot like broader or more diverse ethnicities. Um,
1: How'd you take that? What'd you think? What'd you think about that?
0: Man, honestly, after the time, I was just like, I need to get to medical school. I kept my, it was, it was, I, I was aware of things going on around me but I was just like head, I was just like, head okay. down. wow, I was just like, no, I need to, you know. So how,
1: how old were you when you came?
0: Um, I have to be like maybe like 18,
1: 18, 19. So that's yeah. impressive. I love when you okay. see young people who are so focused like that, right? Because a lot of people take some a, a few years to kind of get this stuff figured out, but you knew from that early age and then when you got here, I mean you got yourself it's you got yourself it's a college that had denied you already and you came here just focused, and you just made it happen. That's impressive you don't you don't see that too often right so you're I mean you're different um, in a good way, right so so you know shout out kudos to you on that um, what, what was the what was the most challenging part of your undergrad years um, A couple of challenges. One of them would be
0: knowing what to do you know, like knowing what path to take, which is where mentorship comes in. Very, very early on, um, as soon as I came came to America, I, I started going to church. Unfortunately, my local church pastor's wife worked at Queens College. Um, and she actually got me my first job where I was tutoring um, students while, while I was in college. And in addition to that, she connected me to one of my dearest, dearest mentors, Miss um, P.A., she connected me to Miss P.A., who at the time was mentoring multiple, like, she, she was just mentoring students from all walks of life, not just like pre-med students, but all, all, all kinds of students, um, with all kinds of interests, sorry, and um, she also was at the time, like, head of MAPS, or like, kind of like a, I don't know if to call it, liaison, but like, faculty advisor for MAPS, and Soames, which is another like science organization of minority students, um, connecting me with Miss Pia who helped to solve one of the first challenges which was knowing what to do. Like when I got here, I literally just like took classes, didn't take any breaks, didn't do any volunteering, didn't do any research. Just I, my schedule was booked straight through summer. I think I did in my first year, I did like a lot of credits. I can't remember how many it was, but it was like 20 something, 24, 25 the first semester, 24, about the same second semester and then like 10 ish or more in the summer. She was like, listen, this <laughs> I can see you're motivated, but there's <laughs> there's yeah, things you're gonna out. That was one. Some classes were also challenging. Organic chemistry, organic chemistry too. Bane of me. Bane of me. <laughs> How'd you um, do it? Bro, first time I took orgo, failed. Failed Orgo too. Yeah. So, uh, granted, 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 um and there's some truth for it. I had received advice from some people and I didn't listen. They were like, listen, you don't want to take, you don't want to take this class with this person. Just trust me. You don't. And I had friends who went to other schools the same time I was taking Orgo to take Orgo. <laughs> right? I'm like, is it that you know, wait, serious? Just to get away Not from that it. Deep. Not that deep. Not that deep. But I think like I was just doing, which is another thing. I was doing like a lot at once. And like I was doing like at that time, I was doing like research. I was volunteering. I was shadowing. I was like, um, like taking like a lot of credits. And first time I took Orgo Two, man, failed, failed, failed. failed. But uh, but the second how did
1: time, how'd you do Orgo One?
0: Orgo One, I got like a, I think I got like an A or a, it was probably like an A or like a B plus B, between a B plus and an A. I can't remember what it was. But you did, you
1: did, you did, you did all right in Orgo One, but then Orgo Two just kind of slapped you.
0: Yeah, mostly mostly everything else, everything else like an undergrad pretty good, like, but it was just horrible 2, man, Oracle 2 was the bane, bane of me, but, um, which kind of impacted, like, my application cycle, but, you know, it was a, it was a good, it's not good to fail classes, man, but it was a good experience, it was a good, growth, like, like, yo, you're not, you're not invincible, you know what I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. like, bro, you're not, you know, you're, you're gonna have to stay on top of things, you know what I mean, you're not, you gotta listen to people, And you got to be able to assess yourself better, like assess, like when certain things would need more attention, you know, like we, we've all been there and I tutored like a lot of undergrads, um, in sciences and also for MCAT and whatnot. We've all been there where we focus on the things that we like and the things that we're good at. I think at the time I was taking like either, um, I was taking like a biology class and I was taking like physics two or something like that. And I was like, I was loving it. And I was taking some other courses, you know, I'm studying for physics i'm doing all the problems but i'm neglecting, neglecting <laughs> orgo you know um but let me not let me not go into that too much it was it was a good experience i kind of like realized like yo you gotta have more self-awareness and you also gotta know when to ask for help you know what i mean that's something that i had a hard time with hard couple with Definitely. earlier on not asking for help it was always like now nah, you're like on your own yes you even though it was plugged in it was always like nah Nah, yeah. oh, yeah. but you know, it was it was a hit. I won't call it like that big of a hit, cause like, but it was like one. I was, I was not gonna let one grade mess with my psyche too much, you know. But obviously, I didn't want to minimize it. But again, mentorship, I stay plugged in.
1: Yeah, good advisors.
0: I had I had I had really good advisors who just helped me come around you know do better do better next time worked on other parts of my application i was like yo you need to pick this up pick that up you know and over or you know overcame my camera what i got the second time i think maybe it was like a b or b plus or something something like that but you know passed orgo to the second time um and did really well i was like you know what you're gonna need this you're gonna need to do really well on the mcat um i set a goal for my mcat score and got and got that
1: goal and do you do any? Um, how'd you do that? Were you just so locked? You do you prep courses and stuff like that?
0: I didn't do any. I didn't do any prep courses. Like, but I just
1: just locked in.
0: Just Locked in. <laughs>
1: just yeah. locked in. So tell me, let's, let's let's fast forward to um to med school. What was the biggest surprise when you got to med school? Was it kind of what you thought it would be, or was there something that just kind of wowed you?
0: Fast names were nice. Like, I was. I, I wasn't expecting. It's class to be that cool to be honest i met like a lot of i i met a lot of people in medical school that i know i'm going to be friends with god willing like forever yeah um, you know made made a lot of really good connections i didn't really see that didn't expect that you know i thought i might have like one
1: good you know one good buddy but i always think that med school is going to be like this um backstabbing cutthroat type of environment Well, people well, people who don't go to med school what they don't realize is med school for a lot of people for me included is like one of the most fun times of your life, man.
0: The times, it's times. I mean, you have you 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 certainly have your moments where it's like where it's really tough, you know, really rough. But yeah. overall, yeah, that was that was definitely the most part of the thing, like just the people and the people particularly in my class. I, I I didn't expect that. And I'm happy, happy about that.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, I'm I graduated med school over 10 years ago now, and you know, same people, a lot of those same people. I mean, I've had conversations with some of them within this past month, you know. And that's like one or two, but quite a few of them, you know, so keep in touch with them. Um, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I, man, I went out more in med school than I did in undergrad. It's not even close. Yeah, yeah I kicked I, I I, way more in med school than undergrad. I,
0: but I, I can say that I feel like med school has been easier <laughs> than undergrad um, in, some, in some ways, because I feel like in undergrad, you know, unfortunately, sometimes you do have to check some boxes, you know, and yeah. I feel like my efforts were more, spread out you know I was doing a lot of like different things med school is a bit more focused I feel like every year of med school I just get closer and closer to like what I want to do the content I feel like the classes aren't difficult it's just like a lot you know
1: it's a fire so, hydrant yeah
0: it, it just it feels overall it feels easier I'm not gonna lie and then yeah you're getting to do what you really love when I started when I started third year man
1: so tell me about this we're talking we're talking about this um earlier on tell me about the clinical rotations, you want to be a surgeon, right? What What was your first OR experience like? <laughs> first OR experience.
0: Okay, so right literally like we're in the height of the pandemic, right? And that's when I started third year. Third year was supposed to start off for, for me with like eight weeks of medicine, internal medicine. Mm-hmm. But because of the pandemic, we had to do some shuffling around, right? And we instead started with four weeks of electives. And uh, by the time I was ready to start electives, the only things that were available were, there weren't a lot of things that I thought would be interesting to me, but then there were a couple of surgery uh, rotations. I ended up starting on thoracic surgery. You know? I didn't think I wanted to do thoracics, but, you know, I was like, oh, you know, it'd be cool to start third year in the OR, you know, see what the OR is like. You know, granted, I have been shadowing, but, you know, see it in a different light.
1: That's interesting, right? Because a lot of times they'll tell you not to start with the thing that you're interested in going into. So you want to be a surgeon. The
0: attendees. The the attendees. I mean, we could probably get to that. One of the attendees actually asked me, like, why did you start with, you know, with with thoracics, man? Like, why did you start with this? Usually people will do the general surgery rotation and then come to us. So that attending, man, I, I, I really like him. Um, I'm actually trying to reach out to him and talk to him at some point to let him know the impact he had. My first day, right, you know, the residents are showing me around. Oh, yeah, hey, nice to meet you. You know, I'll take you down to the OR. I get to the OR. I never scrubbed in in my life. I didn't do like, it was usually like a, an orientation before your actual surgery rotation of like how to scrub, you know, a lot of different things. I didn't do that because it was just like the selective, man people are realizing I don't know what I'm doing. It's like just got all scrub, you know what I mean? The attending sends, fortunately, there was a fourth year sub subby student, sends a sub out to help me scrub. Okay, okay, I scrub. Now, I'm wa- now, now I come in and have my hands up, you know, dripping. So the attending's in there, he goes, what's your glove size? You know, I'm like, man, I'm, I haven't been making the best impression up to this point. So, you know, I say it with my chest. I go mediums. <laughs> <laughs> the higher OR starts laughing, man. I'm like, what's going on? But I'm like, nah, nah. I'm gonna keep it up. Yeah, you know, I got the face on. Like, yeah, what are you talking
1: about? Yeah, mediums. What's well, me pause. Let, me, let me pause for the people who have who never been in the OR, right? So gloves don't don't go by small, medium, large, right? Gloves go by number, so you know you're like a seven, eight, whatever not, All right, so. Anybody in medicine will hear that and be like, What in the world are you talking about? Mediums, yo, this is we're not talking about snow gloves or something like that, man. Yeah.
0: When you're attending, your attending looks at me. I'm telling you, this time I'm like, nah, nah. I got a straight face. I'm like, I'm I'm a medium. He's like, you know what? It's a good answer. And he's like, let me see your hands. So he estimates my glove size and he he estimated pretty much right on the dot. So I get in, right? I get into the um I, I'm scrubbed in now, you know. He tells me where to put my hands and whatnot. And he goes, So what are we doing today? they again this was this was day one of third year. I took step one, literally like two days prior, mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Didn't know I was getting myself into. It. I'm like, um uh he's like you're you're scrubbed in, touching this patient, and you don't know what you're doing. Then he looks at the fellow, what are we doing today? The fellow tells him what's going on. So clearly. At this point, you know you you would, you would realize that the attending knows that I don't know what's going on. <laughs> okay, proceeds to ask me again. So why are we doing this? I'm like, bro, you just heard it. I didn't even know what we were doing. You ask me why are we doing this? Fumbling, fumbling, right throughout the procedure. He, he keeps pimping me, right, which is a term that we use like in medical school for like residents or attendings or anybody to really just asking questions, right. He's with me. Okay, what is this? What's that? What's this? Listen, I got slaughtered right on that first case. And I had like three, three more cases with him for the rest of the day. Man, finish. me, finished the day. He goes, Joseph, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I want you to follow all these patients, do all the post checks on these patients, and get the notes into me. I'll see you tomorrow. That's Dale. Tell you, I had two weeks with this. Two weeks with this guy. I didn't work with him for like three, four days. Some other time, I'm, I'm, I'm like in the residence room, chilling. We're signing out. You know, he hadn't seen me since that first day, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He walks by the resident room. He sees me. I see him pass. Okay. He comes back. Joe, come here. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> he goes. Tell me about, tell me about the patients we operated on on Monday dude, what? <laughs> I care. I care. He's like, yeah, let's go to their rooms. Present them to me. And then are there any other patients that you saw? You present them all to me. So this, this guy,
1: some people, some people. Oh, he, proved, he just randomly saw you. <laughs> you know,
0: he saw, he's walking by with people, with people. Yeah. Room, he's like, Joe. So some people, just for context, some people didn't really like, like him a lot. You know, he's known to be like hard, but I got to tell you, after that rotation, the final day of the rotation, first of all, by the second week, I was ready for him. I was ready for him. I was ready for him. Um I prepared really well. I knew exactly what was going on. I knew all the cases. I was ready. I was ready. I didn't even let him ask me questions. You know, he'd be doing something and be like, oh, is this so and so and so? You know, he'd be he'd be taking like a um like a biopsy and like, oh, so we're gonna see such and such, right? That's what we're expecting, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was ready for him for the second week last day of the second week, you know, gave me, he, he gave me a talk. He was like, listen, I really like you. Um, I think you did really well here. You know, I I don't think surgery is a space for you to be like timid. You know, I need you to speak up, you know, you know, your stuff, but you need to let people know, you know, like if you don't let me know or let someone else know what you're doing, no one's going to know. People are not really going to go look and check. It's like, for example, like I was dropping notes on like every single patient I saw. Right. And he was like, "You need to find a way to let people know that you're that you're working. Otherwise, people are not going to know you're working." Well, I say all that to say that experience. That's how I started first year. I was like, "Whoa, (laughs) right?" But I am very grateful to him because after that, I was I I was never caught slipping. Like if I if I'm walking into a patient room, like I know like yeah, I'm I'm ready. I know exactly what's going. If I scrub if I'm if I'm scrubbing into a case, come on. Gotta know a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I feel like he was a really good way to start third year. And even though he was he was kind of like hard at me at the beginning, um I feel like he was invested, you know. Mm-hmm. I feel like he he took extra time, you know, to pay attention to me. And I it was it started off funny, started off hard, but I think there were like a lot of little things I learned from him, a lot of lessons I learned from that, that I was able to carry now into my core mm-hmm. rotations um for the rest of third year. And I think that. Helped me do like really well, like on my, in in certain aspects, on like on my clinical rotations.
1: That's huge, man. I had a guy like that um, when I was a resident, though. I'm in my ICU. I do ICU now, pulmonary critical care medicine, and I had an ICU attending. I, I didn't know I wanted to ICU when I started residency. I had a guy's name was Mark Branch. It was a Duke. Mark Branch. I mean, he would rip into me every day, like just rip, like in front of everybody. who would just start yelling at me, like, "Why would you do that decision?" he was all. Um, old military guy, and it was a basketball player. He had like some record, I forgot what school he went to, but a really good basketball player back in the day, and like military, he would just rip into me. And the end of the rotation, I remember him, he was like, "Dude, he was like, I'm doing this because I see greatness in you. Like, you know, mm. it's gonna be good, but, but you know, it up probably the same type of thing you got, right? And just kind of like let you know like, hey, I'm hard on the ones I think are gonna be good. Mm. Um, and lo and behold, right, I ended up going to pulmonary critical care and, and a big part right. of it probably because, you know, that guy, right? Um, so those things those things are huge hey look let's um i want to wrap this up before i wrap it up I've got a couple more things one question and then some other types of um kind of i'm going to give you kind of last words type of stuff so you you, met, you brought up the spiritual thing multiple times it's funny I, I talk about this a lot like i never know anybody's spiritual background before they come on the show whatever but tell me how does your faith impact what you do and and you know the role you see for yourself and people's lives, you know, while here on this here earth?
0: Massively, right? <clears throat> like faith is like a huge part of who I am. Um, a huge part of everything I do, you know, huge part of my interactions with like patients. Huge part of like everything that I do in medicine. You know, I always pray before I see patients. Even if like I don't, I'm not at the point where um, like I will like, ask patients to pray or anything like that, unless they ask me. Um, but I always pray before I see patients, before I talk to patients. I always, like, when I'm in the OR, I pray, like, I pray to myself, you know, um, for for everything. Like, I was on OB nights, the last few rotations, every delivery, every time I touch a patient, pray for them, right? And that's just like, I was, I was you know, my mom, like, just raised me like that. You know, we would always, like, she'd read, really, like, all these Bible stories um take me to church and then uh I I believe maybe when it was like in my mid-teens you know because sometimes you're kind of like just going through the motions you know doing what your parents do but I feel like sometime in my mid-teens I decided to like decide for myself like you know you need to figure out if it's this faith thing like you can't just be doing it just because you know your parents are doing it or you're told to do it and you can't just choose to be this like Christian or tech Christian just because everybody else is doing it. So that's when I think like my relationship with, with God grew a lot because I started reading. Like that same kind of like effort I had reading other books, I put it into like reading the Bible and reading and learning more like about, about my faith and about God. And since then, like I made like a concerted like decision to like, yo, everything I do, you know, God first or God only. Um And so now, man, I've I've seen God do like a lot of really good, like (laughs) a lot of amazing things in my life. He's brought me through like a lot of amazing things. He's brought me through like life and death situations as well, you know. He's like he continues like bless bless my family, um. And so I kind of try. I like every time I when I'm leaving to head to work, I, I I pray a prayer to like like just in some way that you know god sort of like shines oh through you the, the, that's this is the prayer i pray oh like goodness. everyone before i walk onto the wards and then actually sometimes you know like patients will say things or they'll notice things and it's like hey you know you seem like a person of faith or, or sometimes like i'll wear like certain bands i'm not always wearing, you know and like patients will see them and then they might I might say, hey, are you like a Christian or whatever? Would you mind praying with me? So I'm at the point where, you know, if a, if a patient kind of asks, I'll go there. And then a lot of times I'm, I'm working on, you know, more kind of asking patients about their faith. Um, you mean, know, like when you get in like history, um, because faith and spirituality is a big part of who people are. And even if we're not of the same faith, you know, it's it's important to understand that because it could play a really huge part in, understanding understanding the patient and also a really huge part in their care. So I'm just trying to find ways to kind of keep it woven into medicine. The funny thing is it's almost like really taboo in medicine. It's mm-hmm. almost frowned upon to have faith. I've, I've noticed that um, in medicine uh, and that's very that's really unfortunate. you know I, we're so like science, we're all like all about um you know the data says, data this. And less about faith and things we can't see and you know that are aren't proven um by you know the trials and whatnot. So sometimes it seems like you know, if you're talking about faith, you're not as educated. At least that's how that's how it looks like to me. You know, it looks like that might be the it's image. Definitely,
1: that, it definitely does come across like that. And you know, you know, faith, you know, the Bible talk about faith as the evidence of things unseen, right? So it's not that it's not that faith is not science but i mean science comes from a lot of stuff that that you know um are in the spiritual world or but it's you know faith is as described as it's not blind faith people think faith is blind faith it's not blind faith there's, mm-hmm. there's rational to it and mm-hmm. there's things unseen but I, I definitely know what you mean it is taboo um you know today i had the opportunity to pray with the patients um you know critically ill patient because the wife you know the, um you know, as an ICU doctor, we see a lot of, there's a lot of chaplains and, and my line of work, right? A lot of death and things of that sort that you see sometimes. And and patients will ask for prayers. Some that family members ask for prayer. So today was an opportunity I had to do that with um, with a family as well. I agree with you. It's important to know somebody's faith. And it's important that if you're the same faith that you you have that. Ability to share that with them. And if you're not of the same faith, you have the ability to say, Hey, I respect your, mm-hmm. I respect you and your faith there or whatever. Um, that's huge. So I think, I think the spiritual history, like I said, I think that's a huge thing for people, right? But it's fascinating because I, again, I never know what anybody's faith is on this podcast ahead of time, but it's funny to me that people I see who are doing such great things. So many of them um, are people of, of faith, of strong spirituality with it, at least within the black community. I just find it very fascinating. Cause I never know, but time after time after time it seems to be almost the same story. Um, it's not
0: always like solemn, man. It's like it's a lot of fun. You know, I'm like my my I think my faith adds like a lot of like good vigor to my education. Oh okay. yeah. Adds a lot of like good color and a lot of it's just like very substantive as well. I I can't that's imagine going through this without my
1: faith. You know that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not all all just like um, you know, sadness and bad things like that, right? It's a it's a life is joy, it's, it's joy and it's, it's a joy and the love, and everything. And for me, it's really what it's really what drives me every day. You know, all things to the glory of God It's is it's what drives me in the sense of one. And I wouldn't say I don't know if you have to. I wouldn't say you have to have faith for this, right? But for me personally, this is what makes me want to do my very best for every single patient, every single time. You know, just knowing that that I'm that. You know that I'm representing to that level. Hey, so I want to wrap it up by asking you um, to give yourself advice. So, what would you tell your high school self? What one sentence? If you had to go back to your high school self, one piece of advice, one sentence. What would that sentence be?
0: Hmm. Okay. One sentence. you can't do it all by yourself you can't do it all alone um definitely try to find mentors in like multiple areas very early on and stay true to your faith stay true to yourself and try to try to leave a lasting positive impression on like those are you know those that you meet and i know this is a long sentence, <laughs> it's long sentence. A
1: sentence.
0: <laughs> so there's a run-on sentence you know we'll have to edit it later and just cherish your family man time you know time's precious cherish your family cherish your time with them and make like all those experiences memorable when you're spending time with them spend time with them
1: you know it's huge i talk to my so you know i do a lot of teaching i, I take pride in teaching and such so i was teaching my residents today um but I sat down I said, look, I'm not going to teach you guys about medicine specifically today. I'm going to teach you guys about life, right? So I was about life. I talked about the X. So I said, hey, you know, these these things are important. Family, friends, fun, finances, and faith. So we sat down we just talked about those things. I said, you guys have to realize that um, you want to be more than doctors, right? You want to be able to have real impact on people's lives, patients, and, and beyond the walls of the patient. So that advice you just gave to your high school self we need to be giving that same advice to the young doctors because once you get and you experience this joe when you get in residency man it's so easy to get so bogged down mm. in the weeds of medicine um and you lose a big picture right mm. the big picture and when you lose a big picture i think it impacts patient care i think that's what makes some doctors kind of you know sometimes doctors are kind of um don't seem as sensitive as possible I think it's because we start to lose that big picture. Hey, but Joe, look, man. Hey, really appreciate you taking the time. It's late. I know you're on the East Coast, man. So what time is it, man? It's getting what is it ten thirty over there, man? Ten thirty oh. over there. But I appreciate the time. Um, you know, you're a standout standout student. Rooting for you in this neurosurge world. We need we need some some brain docs like you. And have, I'm not even talking about black men. I'm talking about just some people who who I believe are a good character and such. Um, and who wants to go the extra mile for success if you're willing to bust in the director of admissions office and get yourself into queens college then i'm pretty sure you're willing to, to go the extra mile for your patience and and we um appreciate that man so all the listeners out there thank you so much for rocking with black men and white coast do me a huge favor click that subscribe button so now we record these videos put them on youtube so go to our youtube channel we'll put the link down below somewhere hit the subscribe button. We're trying to grow the channel. So do us a favor. If you like what we're doing, subscribe. Um, that's that's you guys saying, hey, you guys keep on making more of these videos. Um, we're going to put a bunch of links down below. Check them out for the pre-meds. Check out premedmondays.com. We do a mastermind group on Monday evenings. And I send you guys weekly videos. And of course, if you want your MCAT paid for it, blackmenandwhitecoats.org backslash MCAT. Love you guys, man. We'll see you next time.
2: Oh. I want them bands like a doctor, yo. Only do it like a yeah I'm kicking flavor, no saga, yeah Hey, I like them blues. I might go Jenny like Jackson. I got them options, yo. Yeah. It's all about progression, life is like a blessing. Everything, a win, loss is like a lesson. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Ain't no time for stressing, I've been really stepping. Ooh, ooh, yeah. If you wanna go get it, stop playing around. Really got them racks, ain't playin' around Wanna go get it, stop playing around Really got them racks, ain't playing around Black men, white yeah. coats, shit we up right now, yo. yeah, yeah.